One of the greatest things about being an entrepreneur is we are always ready to move forward, to progress, to take the next step, to take our business to the next level. However, there's a downside to that quality. The downside is there's so much content, there's so much fluff out there that it can be hard to differentiate what is gonna serve us in our business and what is only gonna make us feel good. The point of this podcast is to help you differentiate between those two things and I hope to serve you and help you as much as I can as I am on my own journey with my business going to seven figures. Stay tuned for Bridge the Gap Podcast. What's up, guys? Zach here with the Guide Marketing Podcast. Oh my gosh, I'm learning like a lot the last couple of days. Um, I went through a couple, like three times now with with uh, with people, members of the Guide Marketing, which you can get in for free. Um, for you just go to theguidemarketing.com. But I've I've mentioned this elephant method <laughs> three times. Um, the first time was like figuring it out. The second time was like, oh, I got this figured out. And the fourth, the third time, excuse me, the third time was I thought I had it figured out, uh, but now I have it figured out even more. And I added a fourth step. And so it's research, do the opposite, call out the elephant, justify the elephant. Okay, now there is, this is my my next step for you. <laughs> There's a way to do that and make it so freaking specific that it becomes 10 to 100 times more efficient. And that is the end of that teaser. (laughs) So I'm going to I'm going to share that secret with you on Friday night's webinar. For those of you that are listening, make sure you show up to Friday night. Um, If you don't know how to get there, just go to the guide marketing Facebook group. Um, There will be an announcement on Friday uh, with a link but it's I think it's like go.theguidemarketing.com slash webinar. That's all it is. And it's Friday nights at eight o'clock central time. And I'm going to reveal to you the last final piece of the elephant method, at least as of right now, until I until I learn something else. Um, but it's it's honing in. That's what I love about it. This process that I've created is is becoming more and more and more effective. Uh so awesome. Okay. That's actually not what I wanted to talk about. I just wanted to give you a teaser. Um, what I wanted to talk about, I actually am I'm gonna take a uh, take a note, take a lesson, or whatever you want to call it, from Mr. Stephen Larson. Um, what he's doing is he's actually sharing his story. So he's gone through 33 business attempts in life before he finally hit it and made it. Okay quote unquote, made it. Okay. I don't, I don't actually believe anyone actually makes it 100%. Um, but he, he kind of makes it right. So (laughs) 33. Oh my gosh. That's so many. That's so much. Um, and I have not gone through that, but I want to take, I want to take a little piece of that, uh, of that idea. Um, and if it's okay with you guys, I would love to share a little bit more about my story. Um, there's bits and pieces around all my content, um, obviously, but I think it'd be kind of cool to just kind of like actually go through it. And what I want to do is I'm going to split this up to pre-entrepreneurship and post-entrepreneurship. Now, why? who cares about what I did before I was an entrepreneur? Um, well, I'll tell you who. Uh, you, you should, because... Um, what I was doing before an entrepreneur has prepared me 
for my life as an entrepreneur. 100%. It has given me levels of confidence and maybe a little bit of arrogance <laughs> to, to actually push forward and do risky things and do difficult things, right? So I think it's really important to understand the context of where an entrepreneur is coming from to understand how it is they got to where they got, right? And uh, so, so anyway, so I want to kind of tell you a little bit about my story. And if it's a bit boring, I do apologize. But uh, <laughs> before entrepreneurship, eh, it's not terribly, terribly exciting. Uh, but there was a lot of amazing lessons learned um, that have prepared me for where I am now. Uh, in fact, it, it going through this, I hope it solidifies into your mind the whole concept of the obstacle is the way, right? Uh, I'm sure you've heard that before. But it's so true. It's so true. Every obstacle is there for your benefit and your learning. Um, anyway, so here's here's what I want to do. I want to go through uh, today a little bit of my story from before I was an entrepreneur. And depending on how long that takes, you know me, I'm a little bit long-winded. Uh, depending on how long that, that, that takes, you may have to go into the second part um, on Monday and the next, the next podcast here. So, whew. Here goes. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's go back to school. Uh, you know, specifically like high school, I guess we can start. Um, I was like, <laughs> I still am a pretty big nerd. Uh, so in, in high school, you know, I hung out with a lot of different cliques, I guess you could say. Um, I wasn't like completely awful at sports by any means, you know, like I played basketball, uh, a little bit and I played baseball in the summertime uh, quite a bit and then I played uh, ultimate frisbee uh, a lot like a ton that was like my thing I loved it and I was also a part of a paintball team where we played in tournaments and stuff so I, I had a little bit of athleticism uh, if if not as much as my older brother right <laughs> but but a little bit but I was definitely more interested in other things um, I love playing things like chess I love um, you know, I used to get into, I, I still get into Magic the Gathering. Um, I used to play World of Warcraft. That is the one game I regret, uh, significantly just because, um, that game sucks so much time out of your life. You know what I mean? Like I can't get that time back. I would love to, but I, I used to play that thing so much because it's such a fun game. Don't get me wrong. I love the game, but that's why it's kind of a love hate relationship because it's so darn good that it's such a waste of my time. Okay. Um, so anyway, but, but, you know, I did, I did a lot of nerdy activities, but I also hung out with my buddies, you know, and, uh, it's not like I was one of those guys with like glasses sliding down my nose or anything. No, it wasn't like that at all. Um, you know, I was in band. I loved music. I loved playing music. Um, that was, that was so fun for me. Uh, and then <clears throat> grades wise, I was doing very well, uh, very well, uh, like straight A's. Um, and it it just seemed simple to me. School assignments seemed, it just seemed so simple, you know, like math problems were not really math problems in my mind. It was like, there's a step-by-step -step process to get an answer. Like it wasn't really a problem. They taught something and I had to learn it. And then I wrote it down on a test or whatever, you know, it, school for me just wasn't that difficult. Um, now that said, 
my wife makes fun of me quite a bit <laughs> because she claims I grew up under a rock because there are things I don't know. Uh, because I, I was so good at school, there was a lot of things that I was so bad at. Um, I was not like awkward socially or anything, you know, I mean, I had, I had a lot of, I feel like I had a lot of friends, uh, quality friends too. I, I'm still friends with those guys. Um, but, but, and I had girlfriends, you know, I dated, um, however, there was other things that I didn't ever pay attention to such as celebrities. Like I, I never <laughs> paid attention to that at all. So my wife would be like, did you hear about blah? And she'll say a name and I'll be like, what? <laughs> Who's that? And she'd be like, oh my gosh, are you serious? You don't know who that is? And he, yeah, that's like one of those things that I just never paid attention to and I never really cared, right? If I watched a movie, which I watched plenty of movies, right? I didn't care who the actors' names were, right? Frodo Baggins was was just Fro Frodo the Hobbit, you know? Like I didn't care <laughs> Elijah Wood, like what? Anyway, <laughs> so um, that's just kind of how I was in high school. Now, the reason, how did that set me up for life? Did I get a head start because of my amazing grades and, and decent social skills and moderate athleticism? No, like at, not at all. Um, in fact, if anything, it was, it was almost, it was almost a, a, a painful thing because, you know, I, I didn't fail. I mean, I did fail, you know, I, I got like a B, <laughs> right? Like I think once, right? No. So like, but, but because I didn't fail hardly at all. Right. And I wasn't really, I was in sports, right. And we lost, but it wasn't really like so competitive. I don't know. I, I guess I never really felt the sting of true failure. I still viewed sports as like, it's just a game. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I've got really good quality sportsmanship, I guess you could say. Um, so <laughs> anyway, so what happened was high school just boosted my ego for four years. That's what happened. Ego, 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 ego. And I had this massive ego. Okay. Um, and right out of high school, I decided to join the Navy. So I went, uh, to boot camp, and I went to my, what's called an A school. And I learned how to be a master at arms, which is basically military police in the Navy. Uh, that's no longer a job by the way. So if I were to go back to the Navy, they'd be like, uh, we don't even have military police anymore. <laughs> they, they have outsourced that to other, um, military branches, which is totally fine. But that's what I did. Um, so I did a lot of, you know, guard duties and um, a lot of shooting and hand-to-hand -hand combat stuff, which was, I loved it. You know, I got really in shape, like really fit. Um, I made some really good friends as well in the military. And right after that, um, oh, by the way, the most humbling experience I had at that point <laughs> in my life at that point, I go into the Navy with like this ego, right? And I wasn't super fat, but compared to the other people that joined, I was probably one of the bigger guys, like one of the least in shape guys. Um, and of course, naturally, the the chief that was in charge of us took advantage of that, right? <laughs> like I would do one little thing wrong, you know, naturally, and I'd have to do a lot of exercise to make up for it. And man, what a what a bust to my ego just slapped me down. Um <laughs> Wow, it was such an eye-opening experience. But I'll tell you what, 
I loved it. You know, there were some things in there that, you know, during my Navy time, especially in boot camp, I'll tell you what, talk about having to solve problems, right? You know, the way they wake you up, uh, I don't even know, I don't remember what time it was, but they would wake you up by busting into the room and just start screaming at the top of their lungs, get out of your effing racks, right? And they just start freaking out on me, on everyone, right? But it, it, wakes you up in this moment of stress and like you you instantly have a headache you're instantly like clumsy and fumbling and shaking and uh you know they do that for a reason obviously but i didn't like it (laughs) and since i didn't like it i decided i'm gonna come up with a solution and i did so what i did i knew who was on guard every night uh they called it watch who was on watch every night and i would go up to them and i'd be like hey Wake me up 15 minutes before. I think, I think we woke up at 6. So I said, wake me up at 545, okay? And so they'd be like, okay. And they would because they were nice. And soon my entire, almost my entire room of males, I was actually in a division where there was, it was a co-ed division. So there's males and females. Obviously we slept in different uh, bunks, bunkers and stuff. And, and so basically my, almost, almost all of us, would get woken up by the guy on watch every night 15 minutes beforehand and when they would come in screaming man we were ready we would hop off bed we'd be in our in our boots we'd be ready to go in like two seconds and uh (laughs) made us look really good and all i did was solve a problem i kind of cheated and i don't think they ever found out about it (laughs) which is awesome um so that was like a a cool experience i think uh it it was good to stick it to the man so to speak you know um so anyway so that was that was kind of boot camp um when i went to a school i was one of the leaders uh during that time and i was also one of the runners during the exercise times so it just it it just made me have more exercise which i wanted because i loved being in shape and um and it was fun it was just like a constant race constant competition uh my a school was actually really easy all things said and done super easy like way easier than boot camp obviously um so then after the navy um i was obviously i started out as a reservist so i started doing some reserve drills and stuff but then i decided to go on a mission for my church for those of you that don't know i am a member of the church of jesus christ of latter-day saints uh, previously commonly known as Mormons. <laughs> We're trying to get away from that stigma, so um, let's not call us Mormons. Um, but I, that, that's my religion. And so, you know, most young men, I would say, eh, maybe not most, but a lot of us at 19 were supposed to go on a mission um, to serve and to help preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, it was 19, now the age is at 18. Uh, So they lowered it, but when I was there, you had to be 19. And I actually went into Mexico, okay? So this is my second most, this is, so the Navy boot camp was my, at the time, my biggest, most uh, humbling experience until I got to Mexico. That was my greatest humbling experience of all time because I went to Mexico and I do not come from a wealthy family, right? Like, Parents always argue about money, even today. Like, they still, that's all they do is argue about money. Um, And so I go to Mexico, right, thinking thinking my parents have money problems, right? Oh, my gosh. Man, was I so wrong. 
And I, I served in some pretty cool places. Mo the majority of my time was in uh, Merida. It's a huge city. So various places around that city. Um, I also served in Cancun for about six months. Uh, I also served in a tiny itty bitty village. And that was my favorite place in the whole wide world. Uh, I loved it. I loved it to death. It was just, it was a lot more work, a lot more responsibility. Um, but it was, it was so humbling and eye-opening as to what matters in life. Um, I also got a chance to train a lot of people. I got into a leadership position there as well. And that has obviously prepared me to be a leader later on in my life. Um, and the biggest thing I think I learned from, from my mission was actually the importance of improving yourself. So on that mission, we had to study three hours a day. Uh, the first hour was by yourself. The second hour was with your companion, the person you serve with during that time. And the third one um, was a language study, which we had to do. And that was between 30 minutes to an hour, depending on how bad <laughs> how bad my Spanish was. So at the beginning, it was an hour. It ended up being 30 minutes or less. You know, sometimes by the end of it, honestly, I don't even know if I, I was still studying it because I was so darn fluent. Um, it gets to the point after two years of speaking Spanish um, that you get home and like you can't speak English. <laughs> like I seriously struggled to speak English when I got home. I had to really focus on what I was saying. Um, but anyway, but it was... That, that those times of study improved me, made me a better person, uh, made me more effective as a missionary and, and more humbled as an individual uh, with an ego, right? Uh, so I, I love that. Um, so I, I had a blast. I, it, was, it was great. I really, really enjoyed it. I came home. Oh my gosh, I was not prepared. I was, you know, I guess you could say I was prepared because I, I lived through it. It did not feel like I came home very prepared for what was awaiting me. So when I came home, um, that next week, so I came home, I don't even, I don't even remember what day, but the next week, the missionaries that were in my area, right? So I'm living with my parents at this point, 21 years old. And uh, these missionaries were like, hey, we got to go uh, have some dinner over at this lady's house. The problem is she's a single lady and missionaries are not allowed to go into a single lady's home because they don't want any neighbors or anyone accusing them of doing anything even if they don't actually do anything, right? It's, it's all about appearance. They don't want to be perceived as doing anything naughty, so to speak, right? So they're like, can you come with us? That's the rule. So they had to bring another adult male over 18 in order to get into this lady's house to have dinner, okay? She was serving them dinner. And I'm like, uh, did you just say free food? Sure, <laughs> right? And so I go with them and uh, <laughs> get into this house. And uh, this lady's got three kids and uh, the food was fantastic. And she was hilarious. And by hilarious, I mean like the kids like threw a ball and it like hit her in the head. You know, it's just, it's just by accident, right? And she like grabbed the ball and like chucked it back. <laughs> it was hilarious. Not, not in like a mean, dangerous way. Like the kids were cracking up and it was, it was fun, right? Um, and uh, so I thought I had a good time, right? And the missionaries, you know, we leave and missionaries called me back like three days later. And they're like, hey, we're going to that same lady's house. Do you want to? accompany us again for the free food. I'm like, heck yeah. And so this happened over and over again. 
guys. And eventually, I kind of liked this lady. And so I decided one, one day that the missionaries were leaving, right? Dinner was over. Uh, they started leaving. And I said, you know what? I'm going to stay. And uh, so we hung out. We watched a movie, you know. And then lo and behold, we started dating. And lo and behold, we end up getting married. Okay? So she's my wife. And my three oldest kids uh, are were her kids when we when we met. Um, and now they are almost officially adopted by me. Um, so that's really exciting. Why do I say I was not prepared for that? Well, let me tell you. Expectations compared to reality. <laughs> oh man, that sounds so mean when I say it out loud. Uh, I, I was going to marry like this perfect... <laughs> person right this is the dream of every return missionary uh you know you you want to marry like this this just this perfect lady and you don't start having kids until you're married and and you know you have a house and uh (laughs) the dream right you want that dream um nope that didn't happen uh so instead it was Ta-da, you have kids, <laughs> right? And and there was a lot of mm, negative energy with my decision to uh, marry her um, from my family. Uh, there was negative energy from her family as well, though not about the marriage. It was more about the religion. Uh, so there was a lot that a lot of people that did not want it to happen. And but this is where I felt really confident that I, I that this is the decision I, I made. And, and uh, I wanted to marry her. So we eloped. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that. So we uh, ditched. We said, forget everybody. And we went to, uh, we called up a judge. And, you know, he charged us 100 bucks or whatever to get civilly married. We used his secretaries as witnesses. And we went to a courtroom one day, got married. And then I went to my parents' house and told them that, we, hey, we got married. <laughs> so little bit rebellious there. Now, <laughs> what did that do? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, at the time, I was actually a part of an MLM. Um, and I loved the MLM. I, I believed in the company. I did have some mild success with that company. <sighs> Eventually, my wife, my now wife, right, was able to convince me and show me like what a waste of time that MLM was. And I know that sounds really negative and it sounds like she wasn't supportive, but that's not true. Uh, she was extremely supportive. All she did was give me a reality check that I very much needed at the time. I was not ready to run a business. I wasn't even close. My mindset was all over the place. And, uh, and so I put a bookmark in business ownership, a bookmark, postponed it. I knew that's what I wanted to do eventually, okay? And instead, I went and did some regular jobs. Uh, I got some certifications in IT work. I eventually got a job in IT. I got a 50-cent raise <laughs> three months later. Um, I got promoted to engineer, uh, like over-the-phone engineer, like engineering support, basically. And from there, a field engineer. And from there, a senior field engineer. And uh, all of that within a five-year time span so it was very, very quick, um, and th- that helped to boost my confidence. By the time I was done with the Navy, and by the time I was done with 
my mission. Um, and by the time I had to, uh, to battle my family just to get married to the person I fell in love with, um, I'll tell you what, my confidence was really hurting. Oh, and then I considered my MLM venture a failure. You know, confidence was down. So this experience of going from IT to engineer with no degree, just by pushing myself and learning quickly, it boosted my confidence again. And I needed that. I needed that. And eventually that job became a problem <laughs> because uh, at that point we got two more kids um, and I was traveling all the time and I was never at home and I needed to be at home. And so eventually I opened the door again. I opened the book right to that bookmark of business ownership. And I said, hmm, something's got to change. And what I want from life is only attainable through business ownership. And I want time and money freedom. I can't do that as an employee ever, not even CEOs, maybe even especially not CEOs, right? I mean, that's if you're an employee, you're in the corporate world, right? What are your options? Move up the chain, and then what happens? Typically, you get more responsibility, and a lot of times, you have to work some more hours. A lot of times, okay? Especially when you start getting into the salary stuff. Um, you know, you have to get the job done or, you, you know, like that's why you're getting paid. And even if that takes a, a million extra hours, doesn't matter, right? You got to get it done. On the flip side, if you get it done sooner, that's okay too. Except a lot of places have a minimum amount of hours, which I think is baloney. If somebody can effectively get the job done that they're hired for in a less time, I think they deserve to get paid <laughs> whatever their salary is, even if it takes them 20 less hours. You know what I'm saying? Um, and, and I knew an engineer there that liked that, who was so super efficient that that guy, he could probably work like 15, 20 hour weeks and get all the same work done that other people had. Um, anyway, I hope, he, I hope he's making good money. He deserves it. He's a good guy. Good guy. So anyway, guys, that's, that's kind of... Uh, you know, my life um, leading up to entrepreneurship for the most part, you know, there were some jobs in there before, before I got into the engineering job. Um, you know, like I was in, I was in a sales job and I did really well. In fact, I did so well that they didn't need me anymore. You know, it was one of those situations. Um, so there was, there was quite a bit, sorry, I had a phone call come in. I don't know if that interrupted, but all those, all those little things, all those moments I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, let me just real quick highlight the hardest moments. Boot camp, definitely one of the hardest moments of my life, right? Just, just the constant, um, um, what do you call that, uh, conflict. The constant conflict or the state of panic and conflict that you're in for a long period of time was not fun, right? The first night you get to boot camp, you don't sleep. You stay up all night and you do all the things they say and your mind is just, you're bonkers, Okay. Um, and then finally you start to get some sleep, um, but it's uncomfortable. The beds, they call them racks. They were super uncomfortable. Then they're yelling at you to get up and then they're yelling at you throughout the day. You get punished when someone else screws up, um, all sorts of stuff, right? Just, just, just all sorts of things. Um, <laughs> it, it's sad when an enjoyable moment is, is when you get to shower for, you know, two minutes. <laughs> it's like the two minutes of enjoyment you get in a cold 
shower. Um, anyway, so that was one of the hardest moments. Uh, going to Mexico, I experienced a lot of culture shock. I hated not being able to understand anybody at first, right? Um, and um, that was really hard, really hard. Just a lot of language barrier stuff. Uh, and then uh, when I got home, thinking everything is now hunky-dory, I'm back in the States. I have hot running water again and filtered water. And I thought everything, nothing can be that hard. <laughs> oh, was I wrong, right? Family conflict, people undermining my decision of who I want to marry, people controlling, trying to control things that were mine in my life, you know? Uh, it created a, a rift, a huge conflict between me and my parents and um, even other family members, extended family that were equally uh, not supportive, you know, um, which is really sad, really sad. I, and, and I learned a lot from that. I learned a lot about how I want to be as a parent, as a father, you know, and supporting decisions, even if I disagree, you know, if, if my kids decide to vote Democrat, <laughs> I have to be supportive of that. And I, I can almost guarantee you my daughter's going to go that way. I just, between her and possibly my oldest son, they're, they're, on, the, they're on the verge, <laughs> which is fine, which is fine. So <laughs> I'm going to be supportive either way. They are, they are human beings with the right to choose and make their own decisions and make their own mistakes too. And, and my, my philosophy is really, you know, if they're going to make a decision, my job as a parent is to tell them, my opinion. Tell them that, hey, this is my personal opinion. Here's the way I feel about it. I, I agree or disagree with it, but the choice is up to you. And if they choose poorly, guess what? They, they get to learn, right? So I learned that through the experience of getting married, um, which I don't regret whatsoever. I absolutely love my wife. We've only been together for coming up to eight years. Um, and uh, we're on child six, was just born. Um, like I said, the first three were are my stepkids. They were there when I joined the relationship, the, joined the family. I joined the family, you know. Uh, <laughs> but, but I learned all this stuff. And then I learned so much as an employee in terms of how to, how to take ownership of the work I do, which then they recognized and promoted me time and time again. Uh, I started at $15 an hour as a little IT guy in that business, definitely making the least amount in the entire company, uh, to making 25 an hour and eventually even 32 an hour at this job. Um, and it was, it was very good, obviously. Um, with the exception of the amount of time commitment, <laughs> uh, it was just not worth it, you know? And I remember when I quit, they tried to keep me, they were like, Hey, we'll pay you more money. You don't have to travel anymore. We'll do this. We'll do that. Think of the health benefits, you know, like, uh, and, and I just, I held my ground and next podcast, I'll explain how difficult. And there were times that I wanted them to give me that offer again so that I could take it because it was so hard afterwards. Um, and that's what I'm going to talk about next on my entrepreneurial journey. <sighs> I'm excited. So I hope you guys are excited. I hope this is helpful. Let me know. Give me some feedback. Tell me what you think. Uh, join my group or whatever, and you can let me know there. 
send me an email, however you want to do it. Okay. So thank you so much guys for listening. I look forward to talking to you on Monday.